Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty. Happy summer vacation. This is the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepetavai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg. He and his band Divine Sweater have a new album out. It's called Down Deep. Check it out. I'm also joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. The Celtics Lab podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. And we're not going to dwell on our emotions because we've had enough time to process Boston's untimely exit from the postseason. We're not going to tell you how to feel. You can be sad. You can be optimistic. You can be angry. All of those feel valid. But we are on to the off season, Alex, Justin, how are you? I mean, I'm doing all right, all things considered. I've got one day left of teaching, and then you know we're shortly hitting the road for a whirlwind <laughs> tour across Canada, the Midwest, and all sorts of other fun places. So, uh, you know, all things being equal, I'm feeling pretty good. The Celtics are done for the year, which is sad, but um, nonetheless, we press on. I'm pretty good. I think actually the biggest thing that's bothering me right now is what's going to happen with this team under the new CBA, which is what we're going to talk about. So uh, I guess we can do that. Yeah, the content doesn't stop. That's the beautiful thing about the NBA is it's already fair and valid to have hot takes about what happens next. Um, The framework for this podcast is roughly as follows, although we have enough raw emotion that we might drift. We don't know enough about where the team's at. We're recording Wednesday night. Brad Stevens is speaking to the media tomorrow at noon. Uh, We are still kind of trying to understand the CBA. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know. So we're going to try to make sense of the available pathways, roughly, that the Celtics have. And we'll fill in the blanks over the summer. So say they choose to go all in, we'll try to figure out what that looks like. Say they choose to reload a little bit. We'll try to figure out what that looks like. So we're going to lay a few uh, magic doors in front of you, and later we'll open the doors and see what's behind them. But first, we'll do a little bit of um, dishing out some blame. There's a lot of places you could take this, and we don't want to dwell too much on it because, again, it's old news. We're already on to the off season. But, uh, Alex, I know you were bummed so I'll, i guess i'll go to you first if you had to go hot take artist and pick one place to assign the most blame where would you go it's i mean it's tough to assign one place as the most blame because the reality is that this is a full system failure for the celtics in so many respects um you know let let's get it out of the way um I think this is one of the worst series that Jalen Brown has played as uh, a pro basketball player, particularly in the playoffs. 
Um, you know, there's more and more stuff coming out today uh, where Miami Heat players like Caleb Martin uh, were specifically talking about how the entire game plan was geared to make Jalen Brown go left. Uh, that yeah, that, was, plan, that wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, that, that game plan worked uh, over and over again. You know, eight turnovers in game seven when your team desperately needs you is pretty unacceptable. Um, and, you know, I think in general... This Miami, te- this Miami Heat team really got to him in a way that only a very small handful of teams have ever done. He, he looked like second-year Jalen Brown, um, which was a player that had some athletic upside, uh, could hit a couple of shots, but was ultimately incredibly turnover-prone, um, kind of killed momentum on offense with those turnovers, and was not enough of a defensive force to uh, make up for it. And in some cases, actively bad on defense. You know, um, he's 26, so it's not like this is the end for Jalen Brown as a meaningful NBA player. He just made second team all NBA for a reason. Um, He's going to get a gigantic contract this offseason, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, But... Uh, and and there's certainly, you know, plenty of stories of players having bad series and recovering from them and, you know, becoming productive, strong, effective NBA players for a long time. But if you want to portion out blame pie just to get started, you can't have that conversation without acknowledging that uh, Jalen Brown was really bad in a situation where the Celtics needed him to be really good. Do they make peach pie? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we know. I don't know. I, I was thinking Jalen Brown, Atlanta, Peach, but I I couldn't like bring myself to believe that peach pie is a thing. That's um, tasty. Okay, yeah, so a slice of peach pie, as it were. Dr. Quinn, uh, what kind of blame pie are you looking at? Blame pie, I mean, as Alex said, this was a team failure. Uh, I wouldn't call it never. Uh, ultimately, though, there is one group of stakeholders who really have the responsibility of looking at the whole, the big picture. And they made decisions not to reinforce the coaching staff. They made decisions to go fairly lightly in who they chose to add to the team at the end of the season. They made a lot of decisions about, you know, who not to pressure Joe to add to his staff after losing key members even knowing the potential likelihood of what we're starting to hear now about uh, additional assistants like Ben Sullivan, Nate Miles, potentially ending up uh, on Ime Odoka's staff next season. With all that stuff in mind, if you want to have continuity on a team, continuity is important to you, uh, then, you know, you address things like that. You know that there is a real chance that you could win a title. You don't cut corners and save money. And, you know, I love Justin Champagny. But that is not the person they should have signed. No offense to him. I think he might be a useful player to this team in some capacity. But there's a long laundry list of things that we can point to the front office and say they could have done some things better. And frankly, I think they would probably tell you the same. Yeah, we were high on Mike Mascala, but a playable big would have been really, really meaningful. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just point out that just because we didn't record post-game that the players we have in our podcast notes Ime Odoga is a possible blame pie he should be considered he should because a lot of this cascades from his decisions but I I, I don't think of the Celtics as a team like they're almost annoyingly good at taking responsibility when they lose bad at least rhetorically and a lot of them mentioned look there was a lot of adversity we had a coach who took who came on two days before media day 
Um, that really threw us for a loop. So, look, that was months ago, but I think that this team was always kind of stumbling in a way that seemed like they readily offered. So I'll take them at their word that that really threw them off. Um, I I want to blame Joe Missoula. I think that blame is fair insofar as Missoula Ball, this allegiance to analytics and shooting threes fell flat in the biggest moment. I mean, several times, I'll take a weird victory lap, several times on this podcast during the regular season, I mentioned Game 7 of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals where the Celtics shot 9 of uh, 39. They shot 9 of 42 in Game 7 of this Eastern Conference Finals. So the writing was on the wall that this was a possibility. However, let me just throw in that with Ime Udoka's actions being what they were, there was never any time for him to develop a complex or alternative sure. approach to offense. But you have plenty of points to that, I'm sure, beyond what I just said. Well, I, what I was going to say is, uh, first of all, I'm a louder than most uh, advocate for keeping Joe Missoula. Um, but I think, you know, it's a make or miss league, and they really heighten that up, and they missed. Although, I'm looking at a graph. This is bad podcasting, but it's a graph that I found online um, by Lev Akabos. I don't know. It's NBA.com data. Boston's three points, uh, wide open shots per game, and the percentage that they hit those was almost perfectly average according to this graph. It's like the dead center of the graph for Eastern Conference finals data for the past decade. And Miami took very few wide open threes, and they hit them at almost 60%. And it's just like a graphic outlier. So the blame blame that I'd like to assign for why the Celtics lost is on the Miami side of the equation. Miami was really, really good. Boston was bad at times and bad in the worst moments. But Miami just looked like the 2016 Golden State Warriors from the three-point line. And Jimmy Butler Butler looks like LeBron from the 2016 Cavs or 2017 Cavs or whatever it was. It was just an impeccable performance. Um, They vanquished Giannis. They spanked the Knicks. And then they cleaned up the Celtics. It was really spectacular. So... I'm not trying to be a homer here, but like I, I think the Heat deserve a lot of credit, perhaps as much or more than Boston deserves uh, our scoring. Okay, I'm going to pause the action. We're going to talk about our friends over at FanDuel, and then we're going to give shape to some of the, the ways that this offseason could shake out. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs, and I will remind people that they're still ongoing. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It looks as if Denver is wildly favored in the series, which as well they might be. But I'm sure Celtics listeners are not falling for that again um, because there's something magic. To quote um, the song Seneca Falls from the Tony Hawk four soundtrack. The thing about destiny is it never, ever makes mistakes. And maybe this is just Cinderella dressed up like Jimmy Butler. And so I don't know, sports books. I, I trust your math. You, you did your homework on this one, but I, I don't feel great about saying the nuggets are favorite. We've been burned by this perspective as several other fan bases have. Uh, I'm not actually surprised with how flippant some people are treating me. Mm-hmm. 
Well, if you want to cash in on that, there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older in select states, and it's a first online real money wager only. A $10 deposit is required. Refunds are issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Candle is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. For Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 for Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat for Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit gamblinghelpma.org or call 800-327-5054-247 support in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. You can call one 800 522 4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Okay, so to reiterate, we are not sure about the specifics of what happens next. There is a draft that's going to happen. Boston's presumably not going to be a major player that night or a major player in the opening days of free agency, although you never know. Um, So instead, we're taking the opportunity to rest our brains and think about really, truly, in our souls, what we think Boston ought to do next, or even what they might do next. And instead, we're going to try to outline the possible pathways there are. So let's start with the most straightforward one, which would be to run it back, basically, as this team is constituted. The caveats there, beside repeater taxes, which will get complicated, and when we do CBA chatter, that will make more sense, is Grant Williams. Um whether or not Boston has an appetite to go deeper into the tax is one thing. Another issue is if Grant is offered an 18 to $20 million contract from the Magic or whomever, is Boston going to match? So, um, Alex or Justin, anything I missed from the run-it-back scenario? It's get Joe Missoula, get some assistance, draft someone in the second round, and maybe bring back Grant? I mean, you know, the obvious one that we need to talk about is the, the Jalen Brown Supermax extension. Right. Um, and the run it back option entirely hinges on that and whether that choice will be made. Um, based on all the stuff that I have seen uh, from various, you know, beat writers, insiders, uh, NBA kind of talking heads generally, it strikes me as more likely than not that the Celtics plan to offer Jalen Brown a supermax extension this offseason. Um, but and we'll get into this in a little bit, um, there there are going to be some choices that the Celtics will have to make if they do that. I mean, there will be some choices if they don't, but there will definitely be some choices if they do. Um, and so I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, the run it back option to me really strikes me as an, a, 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 an, a, an aggressive attempt to go for the title this year with virtually the same team that they ran it uh, ran with this uh, this previous year. If you sign Jalen Brown to a max contract or a super max contract, and if you re-sign Grant Williams for, say, $15 million or so, then 
that that is your team. Like you are running back the team that you ran last year, and maybe you will get you know some fringe like very bargain basement like minimum guys who can contribute. But outside of that, you have effectively um, you've effectively solidified that you are going to run it back with the exact same team if you make those two moves. Um, I think there's potentially value in that. Um, I think you know. All for all of the hand wringing that we've done about this this past uh, game and kind of how the Celtics season ended with a bit of a flop, you can make the exact same argument that they're a turned ankle away from being in the finals again. Uh, so I think there's there's definitely a real chance, and I, I would say at this point, I th- I think it's probably more likely that they just run it back than it would be they blow it up entirely. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I, I think that um, if you do that, it's again an acknowledgement that like the Celtics will be all in to win the title in 2024 and anything less than that will be considered a failure. Um, yeah. There's not too much to add to that other than maybe we should provide a little bit of context. I know it's been talked about to death, but very briefly, what we know about the schedule of the new CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, is that some of the things that will be harmful to team building will start next season. Uh, if you are, for example, over the second apron, the Celtics are probably going to almost certainly, whether they run it back or not, try to get under that second apron for at least one season, just so that they have two more seasons beyond it to keep pushing. Uh, this is particularly important if they supermax Jalen Brown, which I think we all agree is almost certainly going to be done. Uh, there might be some debate that they might try to be like incentive based, uh, you know, limits on the end of that if that's even possible. I'm not aware of if there's any differences about supermax contracts and, and incentives or not, but I do know that it doesn't need to be the full supermax. I don't think they're going to try to outright get him down from that, regardless of what we saw from that yeah. series, but. There are things to consider about the future and not getting locked into uh, what could happen. I won't belabor what, what will be the potential range of things that could happen, but Ryan Bernardoni or Danger Cart has a really good piece he put out on Medium very recently that you should all read to get a better idea of what that means. But the, the short version is that the Celtics are looking at a situation where if they aren't very, very, very careful with what they do with the supporting pieces around Jalen and Jason, but they could end up being uh, more or less the uh, Beal and Wall era Washington Wizards with two players who are very good, but there's no way to really put the right pieces around them with the resources that they have at that point. Because in order to get off of contracts, like if they decide to let go of Grant Williams, that would be a relatively resource light option, for example, to get under the, the, the cap. But if they chose something else to maybe address another need, like getting a starting level center, someone like Malcolm Brogdon might be on. I'm so, gonna, sorry, I'm just gonna push back a little bit on that. Uh, John Wall was never a serious MVP candidate in the way. No, no, no. That's a, what I'm saying is more about the, the size of the contracts. Yeah, not necessarily I, the the ceiling of the team. I understand that, but I think it's a fundamentally different calculus when you're locking into $500 million of John Wall and Bradley Beal, who are two good players who might make a couple all You don't need to make that argument, Alex. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, no, totally. Um, My point with that is more about the fact that with such large contracts and so few tools to to do things with, the Wizards are basically in the situation they're in now, which is mostly stuck. 
And that is where the Celtics could find themselves if they mismanage their cap. Uh, because this new CBA, to get off of the CBA talk explicitly, was explicitly designed for teams like the Celtics and the Golden State Warriors to not exist more than three or four years. Yeah, and that cuts both ways. Jalen Brown, as a vice president of the MBPA, knows all of this and understands why it benefits players and why it benefits teams. And so, yeah, Justin, you're right. He's not going to take a cent under the the supermax that he earned. He helped barter for that system. And I'm sure he, he can understand that it's going to mean Boston next year or the year after will try to skirt the the double apron. Um, and that might cost them Grant Williams or Malcolm Brogdon or something like that. And as a team that, first of all, maybe it isn't that good at drafting, but second of all, <laughs> has it uh, doesn't have a big bounty of draft picks ahead that's going to mean some difficult decisions. But the point remains, the Celtics and Jalen Brown would be foolish to not come to terms on this extension, even if in five years Jalen Brown's 60, making $60 million a year. There's going to be new TV money. The CBA is going to change. It might actually be a pretty market contract in a few years, depending on what the uh, TV does to the salary cap and how they handle that. So let's. I think we're all in agreement. We expect Boston to offer that Supermax without blinking. And I think despite a very weird post-game answer to Tim Bontemps that Jalen Brown gave, he's way too smart to turn down $295 million guaranteed. I mean, th- there's just no way. Um, so congratulations on both sides coming to an agreement on that extension sometime this summer. Let's pause the action and we'll do another ad read. And then what we'll do is, again, without giving too much of our opinion on what the specifics look like, just uh, give a preview of another tact or two Boston could take. But first, I want to talk about our friends over at BetterHelp, an online service that's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule and help connect you with online therapists. Interestingly, this uh, uh, this is a other side of the coin. I was talking to a friend who used to do online therapy with a different service, and it was really difficult for her to add clients and difficult for her clients to move on. And I'm not going to say anything other than this was not BetterHelp. This is a different service. And as the therapist, she said, I wasn't giving my best uh, advice, my best support, my best coaching, because Sometimes, you know, you don't click with your client. And so we really like that BetterHelp lets you, um, by way of a quick questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you want to switch, it's no cost to you. So I was talking to a friend at dinner uh, over the weekend. I thought that was really interesting intel. Um, And we're always happy to talk about BetterHelp here, but that's just another reason why I I think it's a great product that um, we're happy to support. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash selflab. And you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash lab. Okay, so uh, we have a little belabored, but that's fine. Boston might run it back. They might be happy with their team. They might say we were a Jason Tatum turned ankle or Malcolm Brogdon torn tendon or a Derek White blown knee or a uh, Robert Williams barfing situation away from the finals. And financially, they might kind of be stuck in the mud anyways. However, there is a chance that they uh, shake things up a little bit, but try to make a win-now move of a sort. And we also think that that's going to be option B. Option C would be make a bigger, splasher move that is something of a step back, but geared towards 2024, 2025, 2026, rather than immediately 
next season. So let's talk about this kind of like reload on the fly. Dr. Quinn, talk us just through like the mechanics again without getting too specific because we have a whole season of podcasting to do. We don't want to <laughs> give away everything. So if a team had a, for example, very valuable lottery pick, uh, I won't say which team. Wait, hold on, that. hold on. I think that's option C. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's what I thought you wanted me to address. No, uh, I just thought Alex got to go first last time. I would, you could, Yeah, give us option C. So let's do the option where Boston says this group as nearly constituted isn't enough. We'll be good next season, but let's be great the season after that. So what does that look like? So that would be, and let me stress very clearly that I don't think any of us think that this is the likely path, but it is a possibility. Like if Whit Grousebeck says, I'm just sick of this, something big needs to change. Uh, then the most obvious candidate, particularly with the potential, uh, like if they don't think he's going to be worth a, su- a supermax and the position is going to put the team in, and if Jalen Brown is someone that Jason Tatum doesn't want to play with, which we have seen lots of indications to the opposite recently, uh, if that were to happen, then they could go for a high draft pick or picks, uh, like lottery picks uh, and younger players with a team that has some cap space or is willing to send that Jalen Brown's contract into a team with cap space to make the deal happen. Uh Again, I'm not going to get into specifics. There's some out there. If you want to go snooping around for some suggestions like this, uh, I'll just say Portland. There's been plenty written about them as an example. Um, If that were to happen, then the idea would be that they think that they're going to get a young prospect in this draft or maybe the next draft who, in addition to the players they would be getting, would be able to lift them up once that player started getting, you know, the ability to learn how to play defense. Because as we know, even the best top players coming into the league who are able to score and put, you know, points on on the board are usually not capable of playing NBA level defense immediately. But uh, again, I want to stress, this is the break glass in case of an emergency slash wick or the owners are just like tired of what's the way things are going. I've seen some chatter online about um, this option being the option that could potentially extend the Celtics title window further down the stretch. Um, Maybe. I, <laughs> I have to say, I really fundamentally disagree with that logic. I think this is far and away the riskiest option that the Celtics could take. Um, if you whiff on that draft pick, say you trade for three, then Congratulations, Jason Tatum is a Los Angeles Laker. He just left mm-hmm. the team. Like, that is done. You just completely submarined any title contending window that you have. Um, to trust your rookie development um, or, or to trust your young player development, particularly at the time where Jason Tatum is aging into his prime, like, if, if you hit that out of the park, great. Maybe you extend your title window six years. The odds of you hitting on that pick at the level that you would need to hit at it for uh, that to put the Celtics in a genuine title contending mode in the immediate future just strikes me as so incredibly low. Just just by virtue of the fact that most of the players who are drafted in the NBA draft do not become star players. That is just a like mathematical mm-hmm. fact. Most of the players who get drafted do not become stars. A lot of them become good role players. A lot of them become valuable contributors. Stars, that's an incredibly rare thing. 
to hit on in a draft pick. So if you do this option, you better be damn sure the guy that you're picking is going to be, I think, not just a star, but somebody with like a wildly high upside and trajectory. And for me, in this draft, there are two guys that fit that description, and both of them are going to be gone by pick number three. I feel extremely confident about that. So while I understand the desire, particularly after Jalen having as rough a series as he did, to shake things up, to potentially open up more flexibility, and to kind of try and extend this window as long as possible, I think the reality of this option is that this option has an incredibly high chance of blowing up in your face and submarining and breaking that breaking that title window completely before it is even really open. I do want to say that it is important to keep in mind that if they do run it back, this uh, the Celtics title window is almost certainly three to four years maximum. That's a fair yes. point. I, I guess the only thing I would add to that is that most title windows are about that long. Fair <laughs> Yeah, so the we outlined option A, which is reasonably run it back. Maybe you lose Grant in the process. We jumped ahead to option C, which is this maybe trade Jalen Brown or trade everything but Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to fully reload. And maybe we'll we'll shine more light on this, but I don't think any of us like this option. I think there are three things that would trigger this. First of all, Jalen Brown says, I'm not taking the extension, in which case, to probably tra- trade him, even if he says I'll sign next year for whatever reason. Um so if Jalen, for whatever reason, doesn't take the extension, we broke the emergency glass. If ownership says, hey, times are tough, we have to duck the tax this year uh, and restart the tax bill for whatever reason, then they have to break the glass, unfortunately. Um, and I think that's really it. One of the things that I think is fair enough is Celtics fans and Celtics Jason people are really bummed right now. But like, look at every other team in the NBA. Everyone else is down worse. Boston was one of the three last teams and was a credible finals contender and came pretty damn close. This CBA stuff is maybe another reason why they might break the glass early if Brad Stevens says, I understand this better than most and I'm going to get ahead of the curve here. I doubt it. And at the very least, the CBA stuff is going to make major changes for the Sixers and for the Warriors and for the Suns. And all the other quasi-contenders or bona fide contenders are also about to have their windows shrank so as much as perhaps boston the rain clouds are coming and they really do need to take option c this uh full rebuild or semi-rebuild everyone else is as dealing with it in a pretty serious way so uh we don't think this option c is likely or advisable i think there are weird scenarios where they could play out and you can't take anything for granted in the nba so who knows okay let's do option b we jumped the gun, and that was a little my fault as quarterback here. Um, option B is not a step back, as in do everything you can to be a contender in 23-24, um, nor is it we love everyone so much that we wouldn't possibly consider trading you. Option B is maybe saying goodbye to Robert Williams or Marcus Smart or Brogdon and Derek White. Like Basically, the, the, the Jays are here, and there is a move to be made to strengthen or uh, codify the rotation a little bit. Um, I don't think, I think in the run it back scenario, like Luke Cornett going away, but they're still running it back as big Luke Cornett fan. I don't think he's part of that paradigm. So this option B could mean 
the core players, anyone who's not a J, who's actually in the rotation, uh, gets moved for a equivalent win now piece. So you don't trade uh, Marcus Smart for a sophomore player or something like that, but you trade Marcus Smart for a player in his prime or something. So, um, uh, Alex, I'll go to you on this. Well, let, me, yeah. let me just uh, chime in real quick, too, that we should be expecting some form of either consolidation trades for a player who makes less money or a player who makes a fair amount of money going out and a player who makes significantly like more than three or $4 million less coming back. Yeah. And it, it quickly becomes hard to really see a pathway for like, look, we looked, we saw the playoff rotation was seven and a half guys. And even if you're thinking, well, we'll go get an eighth guy. That's incredibly hard to do. So the odds that white, Brogdon, Robert Williams, Smart, and Horford are all on the team next spring, and somehow they have strengthened their playoff rotation feels unlikely. Um, so, Alex, given that, what do you think of maybe the ap- attitude or the appetite from the team for doing that? And quick thoughts on it. But again, we'll we'll talk about this all off season, so we don't have to get in the weeds. You know, I think Brad Stevens has shown that he is a pretty aggressive GM when it comes to taking opportunities uh, to try and improve the team. And so I don't think this option is really off the table at all. And I think if there is a move uh, that Brad Stevens likes and that he thinks will shore up some of the weaknesses in this rotation, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it. Um, The obvious kind of candidate that jumps out to me is Malcolm Brogdon, uh, fresh off of his six-man-of-the-year award. His value is, I think reasonably high right now um obviously he had an injury in the playoffs that he will likely require some procedures for so that's going to tamp that down a little bit but listen malcolm brogdon is still a pretty valuable player that a lot of teams could use um he is on a movable contract that i think you could reasonably particularly if you attach a pick um you you could probably get something pretty decent in return as far as player equity goes um I, and I don't, this is not me saying I am certain that Brogdon will be traded. I think there's a reasonable chance that he's back next year. Um, but I think if there is a guy that the Celtics would be looking as obvious candidates to move to shore up their rotation, particularly if, for example, they try to parlay some of their guard depth into more big depth, Brogdon strikes me as a pretty logical candidate for that. I think based on how well Derek White played in the postseason and really this entire season, I would be very surprised if they dealt Derek White. If anything, I think the Celtics should be looking to extend Derek White as soon as possible. Um, but I think Brogdon, Brogdon would be one to look at. Um, I think that, yeah, to you know, we've, we've seen over these past few years, Brad Stevens is not afraid of making moves if he thinks that he can get this team better. And so I, I really wouldn't be shocked at all if this is something that uh, the Celtics pursue. I think, you know, there are some other guys that could fit this description. I think, I, I think the odds of a Robert Williams trade are frankly a little higher than we are maybe um, anticipating. Um, I don't think, to my, to my mind, it doesn't strike me that there are a lot of obvious candidates out there right now, and that's kind of what's holding me back from saying it's definitely happening. But I, I, I don't think you can rule it out entirely, particularly if you view Rob as maybe this one of the Celtics' higher-value trade chips, and you're really trying to go all-in for a win-now move without trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Robert Williams would probably be the guy that would get the most as far as a return goes. 
Um, Dr. Quinn, where do you come down on of core rotation guys who may or may not move? Oh, he might be frozen. I thought he was just focused. <laughs> um, okay, we might have lost the doctor, which hopefully means we didn't just lose this entire episode. We will see. Um, yeah, my thinking is the, the the guard situation between White, Brogdon, and Smart is a little untenable insofar as it just it felt like there was a lot of obligation and making sure they all got to eat. And they didn't have you know, a slashing wing. They didn't have a playable big. Um, so consolidating on that front field is really important. Boston has Portland's second round pick this year, so a pick in the low 30s, which is really the only valuable pick they have other than their, some of their own firsts moving forward. Um, so I, I, they don't really have that much going on, and I do wonder if there is like a little bit of an impetus to start drafting young talent because it's mm. also cost-effective. Um I, I suspect for that reason there will be a, a trade. Grant Williams, Dr. Quinn, now that you're back, he won't be poison-pilled because he's not going to get that much of a pay raise, but he wouldn't be able to be moved till middle of the season if he gets a contract extension, right? It depends on the kind of extension he ends up getting. Uh, I don't have the, the different uh, time periods in front of me, and I definitely haven't memorized them. Yeah. Uh, but depending on how much money he ends up being extended for, then he would be eligible maybe midseason uh, or not at all next coming season, depending if it's a larger one. Uh, that said, uh, I don't expect him to get much bigger than an MLE, maybe, maybe a non-taxpayer MLE size contract. Uh, just because that seems to be about the biggest reasonable uh, contract slot out there, barring some very strange uh, love. No offense, Grant. Just yeah, it's the cap, not you. Yeah. So there is there is something to that. The only thing that I would push back against is that this is, by all accounts, a fairly weak free agency class. So we could see some weird deals just because teams have cap space that they need to use. Yeah, and. If you believe that at least with like more consistent minutes, Grant becomes a positive asset, signing him to $18 million a year in a year or two, that's actually a really valuable asset to flip again because the cap's going to go up. So in any event, I do think Boston would have been better served if between Brogdon White and Smart, one of those players was a wing or a playable power forward or something like that. Um I think Robert Williams is the only positive asset. I, I Malcolm makes $22 million a year, which is not a ton, but it's a lot. I think Al Horford. We might. So let me just say that a contract that's expiring in precisely two seasons might actually be pretty valuable in the new CBA. So just putting that out there. Sure. Yeah. but And that's part of why we're not getting our hands so dirty, although we're not doing a great job at that. Um, because... A lot. I don't think the teams well understand the CBA, and um, we'll talk to Yasi Goslin hopefully the next episode of this podcast, and he'll make it sound smarter. But regardless, uh, Brogdon sucked on defense. It's another year where his season ends in injury. Um, you really have to buy into the Marcus Smart experience to understand his value. Al Horford maybe aged uh, this spring, and so yeah, I think Robert Williams is the only positive. Positive with a capital P asset. I'm sure you can find equivalent trades, but if Boston like really wants to level up with a roster move, I just I don't think they have that much enticing stuff. 
The only other thing that I'm going to add with regard to... Oh, and to... then Derek White, but don't he's untouchable. Yeah. The only other thing I'm going to add with regard to the pursuit of wings uh, and trades that come around that is, you know, one thing we should also think about is the reality that um, Danilo Gallinari did not play a single minute this season. Um, he is going to be a Boston Celtic next season. There's absolutely no chance that he doesn't pick up his player option. Um, so... There, there is something to the idea that Celtics might have some wing depth in the chamber that they might feel more comfortable banking on than, say, trading a rotation piece to try and get them. Uh, you know, Sam Hauser, of course, is developing nicely on an extremely cheap contract. I know he didn't play really at all in the playoffs this year, but that's a guy who the Celtics' internal development they're excited about. So this, this also just might be something that gets sorted out by development. Sure. Uh, although I don't think Gallo is going to be a, a guy in the postseason because I, I just can't imagine he's going to be good enough on defense. Um, I hope they free Peyton Pritchard. We're, whatever he's he needs in his life, I hope uh, he gets it. And it seems like it, that's not going to happen in Boston. Anyways, to reiterate, they've got three options here. A, reasonably run it back. Maybe a deep bench guy is gone. Maybe they don't re-sign Grant, but it's more or less the same team uh, even if you squint option b some of your favorite players dear listener might not be with this team because they try to balance the roster a little bit better um i don't know who this person is yet but my wish list includes a quarterbacking point guard of a sort but chris chris ball and mike Connolly are too old and i don't know who that would be anyways option c is not any of our favorite options but Brad Stevens is going to do what's right for the team, not what Celtics fans on Twitter want him to do. And if he reads the tea leaves or the ownership makes him read it a certain way, and that is make it look good in 2023, 2024, go and contend in 24, 25, that might be the door they end up going through. So we'll spend the summer talking about that. And again, hopefully next episode, I'm not going to promise anything for Yossi, but hopefully Yossi's here soon enough to explain the the minutiae around uh, the CBA stuff, least of which uh, summer league. Yasi was my favorite person to hang out with. So I want to talk to him about <laughs> summer league. Let's we'll talk about the news for as long as we want to um, like, and subscribe to this podcast. If all you wanted to hear is Celtic stuff, because we're about to talk about Monty Williams. Um, check out Alex's band, divine sweater. Their new album is out They're on tour. Um, but then otherwise like, and subscribe to our podcast. Let's do the news. Uh, some things that are tangentially related to what we just talked about. Supposedly, Jalen Brown is buying a condo in Seaport, according to Greg Hill, who supposedly lives in that building. So that's where that report came from. Um, and and we'll, we'll, we can always trust sports sports radio uh, behind the scenes reporting. Didn't they say Jalen wanted to leave? Anyway, I digress. Sorry. Sure. Uh, honestly, not the point, but... Jalen Brown buying property in Seaport is like kind of surprising and maybe disappointing. Uh, <laughs> he seemed to hint that he was talking about uh, having trouble. Maybe like people interpret some of his words uh, and some stuff that he said this season about maybe he had some trouble buying property. So it does track. I just, I don't know what neighborhood uh, gajillionaire should live in, but Jalen seems smart enough that he shouldn't live in the Seaport. Um, also sort of related to what we were just talking about, Joe Mazzulla is supposedly under contract for three seasons and $14 million, which 
look, we didn't really talk about it. They could choose to move on from Joe Missoula. I don't think they would demote him, although people are floating that like that's on the table. Um, imagine Justin and I had a few bad weeks and you were like, you know what? It's just going to be me and Alex. Why don't you edit the podcast for a little bit? I would not be doing that. Um, so th- that's not so much money. Uh, Monty Williams and the Detroit Pistons really just changed the market for coaches. Uh, that's not so much money that they couldn't eat it if they really felt like they needed to move on from Joe Missoula. But uh, four coaches in as many seasons feels like a disaster. Joe Missoula is going to be the coach. I'm sorry that he doesn't call timeouts when you would call timeouts. The data doesn't back you up. <laughs> Miscellaneous curmudgeon. Okay. Uh, Ray Allen. Why is Ray Allen? The third. Ray Allen, the third. Not the Ray Allen who played for the Boston Celtics, is going to be a URI Ram as a preferred walk on. Continuing Ray Allen's playing basketball for New England college basketball teams. Cool. Okay. I saw Ray Allen's name in the news. Um, I didn't know that. Um, shout out to the diabetic community. Good for him. That's amazing. Um, that's that's a really hard thing to, to do as an athlete. Okay. Ime uh, Doka might poach the entire Boston coaching staff. We saw that. I suppose that colors you know, where this team was at emotionally if half the coaching staff jumped ship. Uh, I'll talk to you guys about that off air. I have a few takes, but they're not public takes. Nick Nurse is going to Philadelphia. And Fred Van Vliet seems like he wants to go with him because he was tweeting about it a lot. A good fit, bad fit, who cares? Quickly, Alex? Um, I think it's a perfectly fine fit. I think Nick Nurse has, by all accounts, a pretty good coach. I think the reality is that if James Harden walks and Philly replaces him with Fred Van Vliet, um, I, I think Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse can only do so much. Um, and I would not expect Philly to be among the inner circle of title contenders next year were that to happen. But, uh, you know, I think there are some things that he'll bring to the table that um, might make the offense a little bit more interesting than uh, the Doc Rivers offense. They might have a little bit more kind of spice and variety to them. And, you know, at the very least, we'll get to be mad about Nick Nurse, uh, you know, whining and crying to the refs 24-7 and generally being an irritating nuisance. So there's that. Don't have anything to add to that, really. Uh, they needed to find something different to do offensively with Embiid, and they found the right guy for that. Yeah, the the problem in Philly is the front office. It's not uh, it's not the coach. They they have made stupid roster decisions, and they might get burned for the James Harden risk. One of the things, just to riff for a second, several people that I really respect uh, this postseason have said to me at media dinners and stuff is. Most people don't know anything about what coaches do and we they won't ever see what coaches do. And so most of the commentary around coaches is either incorrect or it's just surface level. And so what a coach offers is is only so valuable to the general public. So Alex, I agree. He'll, he'll, he'll have a more dynamic o- offense than Doc Rivers, which is to say he'll have an offense. But uh, I don't think we know anything about what coaches bring to the table. Speaking of which, I will actually push back on what I just offered because Monty Williams is one of the NBA's great guys. Um, so for a program that is kind of building itself up, I actually think we can say something about they're bringing a high character person in to set a foundation. Um, I don't know anything about Adrian Griffin other than he played for the Celtics for a cup of coffee. And that's 
that team's going as far as Giannis takes them. So congrats to him. Um, same thing as Nick Nurse. It's your MVP candidate. Well, I like the Williams hire, though. I think uh, no, the Mont- that one matters, I think, in a different yeah, way. Yeah, he's a, he's a good coach for building a team into a contender. Uh, there might be some questions about how good of a, a contending coach he is, but I guess we'll get another shot of it. Sure. Uh, again, yeah. couldn't happen to a nicer guy. The only thing I'll say is that is – I, that is a lot of money to pay your head coach. I don't, there's I, no I, limits, and it's kind of weird, right? That these yeah. teams who are like in like these like you know races for these guys don't do this more often. I think maybe I, I suppose it's, that's um, true. I just it's a hundred million dollar contract for eight years with incentives. Yeah. Oh, so I six years, seventy eight point five could get up to hundred million. It's still the biggest contract for a coach in NBA history, which. Is that's a big swing for the Pistons. We'll see if this goes wrong. Like that, that's going to be tough for them. Um, Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, who he's from Detroit. I, actually, I'm going to text him right now. I'm curious what he thinks. He says because the Pistons play at the Little Caesars Arena, that the feed the media Little Caesars pizza every game, <laughs> which is so funny. Okay, anyways, um, we got lots of offseason stuff to discuss. And so, when's the draft? It's soon, right? It's after the finals. Okay. 23rd? I don't know. You can tell me anything. No, is this right. I'll look it up. We promise we know what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, um, like and subscribe. See you soon. Adios. Bye 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 bye.